Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house. Let's get some lights on up in this place so I can see everybody's beautiful faces today. Numbers chapter 6. I'm not going to be reading there today. I'm just, I'm just going to read this for you now. But the Bible says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, and he said, Speak to Aaron and his sons. This is the way you're going to bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That song that we just sang is right out of Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, if you want to score that in your Bible. But man, what a great, great song. And I'm encouraged. I hope you're encouraged too. Tell somebody you're sitting next to you, I'm encouraged today. I'm encouraged. I'm glad to see you. If anybody's sitting by themselves, I'm glad to see you, okay? I'm glad you're here. And if nobody said anything to you, I'm certainly glad you're here today. We want to say hello to everybody, of course, that's watching online. And welcome you to come back to church when you're ready. We have an unbelievable Christmas schedule planned for our church. You're going to hear a lot about it at the end of the service today, but we do a big Christmas village. It was kind of a neat thing last year. It was like people started coming out of their houses like at that time. And uh, we had well over 2,000 people that were part of that outreach that day. It was a lot of fun. We have more vendors this year, more stuff. It's going to be a great, great day. And it really kicks off the whole month of December. We're doing a series in December called Christmas at the Movies. And there is going to be really, really cool surprises every month. But if you bring your friends, they'll enjoy all the fun stuff they're going to do in the lobby. But make sure you bring some friends to church during the Christmas season so they can hear about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a great, great month. I hope you'll be preparing for that. Uh, with your family. So I want to invite your attention to Exodus chapter 20. We're doing a series uh, called Law and Order, and um, I want to thank Chris Williams for lending us his voice uh, for that. He said, uh, I'm going to have to pay him a little bit for that, so maybe I'll take him to spin pizza this week or something. But um, I learned, like like many of you, uh, I learn new things about texting all the time. How many of you like texting? Raise your hand up in the air. How many of you would rather get a text than a phone call? That's definitely me. All right, here's a third question. How many of you hate text messages? Drive you crazy. Okay, a couple of people do. I get that. I'm down. It's all good. There's some things I've learned about text messages. Like text messaging in and of itself kind of has a secret language. For instance, and many of you know this, so I'm going to sound a little archaic by saying this to you this morning. If you send a text message and you accidentally or intentionally capitalize every letter, you're kind of mad at the person you're texting. Did you know that? Like you're sending like, you better be listening to me right now. And there's actually a tone that's received when you send somebody a text message in all capital letters. I didn't know that. So one day I was, you know, Kim and I were texting back and forth about something. I said, I sent her a text. uh, Hey, I'm at the grocery store. Do you need me to pick anything up for you? And I sent it back to her again but I capitalized it, and she said, you better back off, son, okay? You want to talk about this. You're at the grocery store. You better take a chill pill. And I didn't even realize I was getting, that that my tone, you know, that that tone that I was sharing just in a few innocent words could get me in trouble. When you read things in the Old Testament, 
that are shared again in the New Testament, it's like reading a text message in caps. Because there's special emphasis put on it. And we're going to do a kind of a parallel study today with some specific commandments of the Ten Commandments and some things that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and 6. So let me start off, and, and I'm not going to talk about this particular commandment today, but I don't want to skip because it's very, very important. In Exodus 20, verse 13, it's, or verse number 12, it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord has given you. Now, if this is one of the Ten Commandments, right, the Ten Commandments that talk about our relationship with God, the Ten Commandments that talk about how we're to honor God, the Ten Commandments that give us rules about how we're to treat each, uh, each other as, as, as human beings, right? If one of those ten rules that God gave to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments was, we ought to honor our fathers and our mothers, that's a pretty important thing. Would you agree with that this morning? So let me encourage you, throw your mom and dad some honor today some way. Send them a text, but do it in lowercase letters so you don't get yourself in trouble today, okay? So, I, But I'm not going to kind of get into that because we just finished a series on honor and we did one of our weeks where we talked about honoring our fathers and our mothers and our grandmothers and our grandfathers and so forth. But what I really want to focus on are these, are these next four commandments that are in verses 13 through 16. Very simply it says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which simply means this, don't murder, don't have sex with somebody you're not married to, don't steal, and don't lie. That's what, that's what those commandments mean, okay? And it, it kind of seems funny, because it, it seems like, like you have like a really, really bad thing, and then it goes down to a little thing that really isn't that much of a big deal, right? Because would you agree with me that all of us lie sometimes? You don't have to agree. Because if you disagree, then you're lying, right? That all of us, you know, and there's white lies, and there's, there's, there's those lies. I was, I was talking to, to somebody this morning. Uh, some of those lies happen in marriage relationships where it's really nothing more than just self-preservation lies. Have you ever done a self-preservation lie? Like, honey, how does this outfit look on me? Where I see some wives looking at their husbands going, huh? What's up with that? My wife this morning, she is going to kill me for telling you this, but she came in. I was getting ready, my two or three minutes of all the extra pampering I do in the morning, and she came in and she said, hey, how does this dress look on me? I'm, I promise you, this happened in real time this morning. And I said, well, um, it's a black dress, and uh, you might need a little color on there. And she goes, I thought so too. <laughs> Throws it on the floor. And then she picks out something else, Kathy's second outfit. Third outfit, dumb, 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 dumb. I get that, right? But why are you asking me if you don't want my opinion? That's my thing, right? So then you back up into that, okay, you know what? i got to give a self-preservation lie here. Honey, you are beautiful from top to bottom, inside and out. Whatever you look doesn't matter because you are who you are, and you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Too late. I was too late. I was too late. So pray for us today. We're getting counseling after church. But, um, and it's true, like, we don't think lying's a big deal because we kind of, you know, do you know why I pulled you over today? No, officer, why'd you pull me over? Well, you were going 30 miles over the speed limit. <gasps> I didn't realize that, right? I mean, we, there's things that we say, and, and sometimes an exaggeration could be a lie, too. You know, we have to be very careful, but the, the point isn't uh, going from a really, really bad thing to a thing that's not a big deal. If these Ten Commandments, right, if God 
in the same list of 10 rules that God gave the children of Israel, which he preserved for us today, starts off with honor and worship only God and don't lie. I think they all have equal significance because here's the thing. We don't look at sin the way that God does. God looks at sin as something that separated us from him. And whether it was a lie or even something as egregious, humanly speaking, as a murder or another, the other things that are written there, we look at those things and we kind of sin balance those things sometimes. But listen to how Jesus talks about these commandments in the New Testament. Now, you have to understand something. Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount is speaking a message presuming that everybody believed in him. He shared those great, great principles in the Beatitudes in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. He said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. In Matthew chapter 6, the same message he gives the Lord's Prayer. Man, there are so many great, great messages that you could pull out of that one sermon that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. But listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Because here's the thing, the Pharisees thought that Jesus was saying things against the law all the time. Well, you don't honor the Sabbath. And that was, that was the big confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees all the time. He would heal them, and, and Jesus' healing wasn't like he got done. It wasn't like, you know, when you think about God creating the heavens and the earth, I said this to you a couple weeks ago, God didn't give us the Sabbath because on the seventh day he was like, whew, man, I'm really, really tired. God gave us the Sabbath so we would stop and remember. We talked about that last week. But when Jesus got, was healing somebody on the Sabbath day, he didn't sit down and go, whew, man, that was a rough healing. You know, I told that guy to get up and walk, and now I'm like really, really tired from that. He wasn't working, but here's what the Pharisees were saying. You're not supposed to be doing that because on the seventh day we're supposed to rest. Jesus had all these confrontations all throughout the Gospels about the Sabbath specifically with the Pharisees when they said, you're not supposed to heal. And they said, wait a minute. If you had a cow that fell into a ditch on the Sabbath day, and if you didn't pull that cow out of the ditch, they would die. Would you pull that cow out of the ditch on the Sabbath day? Well, of course we would. Then how much simpler is it for the Son of Man to say you are healed? I mean, confrontation after confrontation after confrontation when it came to the Sabbath day. And they thought he came to, in their words, destroy the law. So here's what Jesus' response to that was in Matthew chapter 5. He said, I don't want you to think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. He says, I'm not in contradiction with any of those things. I didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. For assuredly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. I'm going to stop there for a second. A jot or a tittle, you know what's that equal to? It's like the, when you're writing in cursive, do you remember writing in cursive before you were text messaging? What a beautiful thing that was, right? So we would, you write in cursive, if you, if you were writing the letter T, you'd pull it up and you'd come back down, you'd, the little hash above the T. That's, that's, like, that's almost the same thing as a tittle. But the, the, the jot is the same thing if you're doing a letter I, the little on top of the I, that little tiny mark that you put. Now those aren't the same things in the English language, but that's the significance of what it meant in the language that Jesus said. If there's a little tiny apostrophe, exclamation point, a little dot that's in the Old Testament, in the law, it's extremely important is what he was saying. And then he goes on to say this. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, and we would say maybe lying is not as bad as murdering, right? But Jesus said, even if you break the least of these commandments, and you teach men to do so, you shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your 
Now, this is where the Pharisees, this is where Jesus said, you know how sometimes you, you're in church. Listen, I don't, I'm not proud enough to think that you hear absolutely everything that I say. Like, I'm not that proud. Like, I get it. Like, I know sometimes maybe you had a long week this week. Maybe there's a little debate on what you're going to do for lunch today. Maybe you're really worried about who the Cowboys are going to lose to today. I mean, there's all kind of different things, all kind of different emotions that are going inside of our lives. You know, we had some stuff in our family this week that I was thinking about this morning. My youngest daughter's pregnant, and they're coming home next week, and we're going to see them. And, you know, it's got to be a big to-do for six days over Thanksgiving break and all that kind of stuff. So I've got a lot of stuff going on up here, too. And I get that, and I understand that there's times in church that, that maybe we kind of, it's, it's no irreverence to the Lord, it's no disrespect to me, and I don't receive it that way, but I know sometimes we can fade in and fade out. Is it fair to say that this morning? You go, oh, no, not me, Pastor. Is that fair? Tammy's like, yeah, that's fair. She was the first one to answer that really loud. Thank you, Tammy. So, but, but here's, here, here's, here's what is happening here when, when Jesus is talking. He's saying all the stuff, the law, the law, the law. Listen to what he says here, and you can imagine the Pharisees that were maybe half in and half out, they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, maybe see how everybody's listening. Maybe they're taking attendance, you know. You ought to see, like the first, the first, the very first song that happens in our church, believe it or not, happens at 10 o'clock, right? And so we have two church services, one that starts at 10 and one that starts at 10, 15, right? And so I'm over here, and I turn around to David Schroeder. I'm like, hey, guys, how you doing today? And they came, in, they came in, they were here. And every once in a while during the worship service, I'm like, God, please bring people to church today because I get really, really nervous. It's called post-COVID traumatic stress disorder, right? Because I remember the first Sunday we were back, I'm like, yeah, we're back in church. And I came to church, it was like my family and three other people kind of a thing, right? So I still have that little thing, I hope people are going to come to church today, right? So I turned around, and the auditorium started filling up, and then, and then that awesome last song started playing, and God said, will you please pay attention to me on not, and, and not about things that don't matter? You know, God was saying that to me a little bit, right? Well, the Pharisees were doing their little inventory. That person's got their hands up. Hmm, that person's doing this. That person's doing that. And then Jesus says this. Check this out. He says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going into the kingdom of heaven. So what the Pharisees heard was this. You're not going to heaven. Because Jesus said your righteousness needs to exceed the Pharisees. It needs to be better than what they are because they claim that they're really, really, really good. But here's what Jesus was saying. You can't be good enough to get to heaven unless you're perfect. Unless you have a relationship with him. You see, Jesus fulfilled the law. He not only fulfilled the law, he took it to the next level. And I just think about these Pharisees. I was thinking about how many of you, how many of you grew up or have been in church for more than 20 years? Raise your hand up in the air. Okay. So I'm going to tell a story for those new to church you're going to kind of laugh at. When I grew up at church, some of you remember this, and this is, not, this is not the thing to laugh at. It's not a bad thing. But behind the pastor, there was a big choir loft. Our old church had a big choir loft inside of it. How many of you have ever sang in church choir before? You know the worst part about being in the church choir sometimes is when you had to stay up during the whole message. You know what I'm saying? Because you couldn't doze. Like I was a teenager at church, and you know what kept me awake? Counting how many people in the choir loft fell asleep during church. I would love that. Like, that would kind of, oh, he's going. Like, I talked to my friend next to me. Look, Tony's getting ready. To, oh, he's, yep. Yes, he's sleeping. This is great, man. He's sleeping. And that would kind of keep me awake during, like, a super-duper long church service, right? But you know what cracked me up? I remember when I, was, when I went to seminary and I went to church. And we, it was part Crest Baptist, Baptist Church, great church. 
pastor was awesome. We really enjoyed his, his ministry. He kept the choir up, and they had like 100 people choir, right? He kept the choir up for the whole church service when he was speaking and everything. He loved having that group of people behind him because when he told a joke or when he needed an amen, he heard those amens right behind him, right? So he, once in a while, he kept his hand in his pocket. His name was Dr. Gary Gray. Every once in a while, when he wanted to talk to his wife, he'd walk back to the, walk back to the choir loft, put his arm on here, and his wife was sitting right there, and he would talk to his wife, who was like front and center in the choir. My wife would kill me if I asked her to sit front and center up here every Sunday morning, right? But it was kind of funny because every once in a while he would share something, right? He would, he'd want the choir saying amen. I don't know if they had a teleprompter that said laugh now, say amen now, shake your head up and down now, right? But they had that. Somehow they responded really, really great. But I remember once in a while, every once in a while, right? Because if you're in the choir, you're like super duper duper spiritual. Because if you're in the choir, you were in church two more hours and all those other plebes were out in the auditorium, right? So they would, and I, and I just remember when I was a kid watching in the choir, and I didn't have the greatest reputation, like everybody that knew me as a high school student was like, he's the way he is because his dad's not saved. I had a hundred people at least say that to me growing up. Can't even begin to tell you about the issues that I have, okay? But I remember in church, people would sit in the choir, and I'd be sitting over here, right where Marianne is, by the way, that's really a coincidence, right? And the pastor would say something, I would get this. I, this is somebody in the choir, and that's me over there, Ready? Like, they would give me that condescending look like, he's talking to you. Like, just like that. And of course, I'd be like, yeah, well, you're going to fall asleep in 10 minutes. So you're a hypocrite anyway, right? That kind of a thing. But it's kind of funny. That's what the Pharisees were there to do that day when Jesus was talking that day, when he was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. They already had an accusation against him. They didn't like what he was saying. And they were watching the way that people responded to his words in a very condescending way. And if you remember when Jesus, so many times he talks about, Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save who? The lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. So he's given these, he, he's going through these laws, this, these, these four laws that we talked about earlier. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. He's going through these things. But here's what Jesus does. He puts them in caps in his text message. He says, listen to what he says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old. I think that's kind of a funny statement. You know, that's like that. I was just telling Nikki the other day. Hey, I got one of those stories where I walked up the hill two miles both way on the school in the snow. That's what I said to Nikki on the story I wanted to tell her. That's kind of like what Jesus is saying. You've heard it said of old. And I wonder if he went like this. I wonder if the Pharisees were all sitting over here and Jesus said, You've heard it said of old. Right, all the old people, right, you said the Pharisees. You shall not murder, right? Listen to what Jesus says. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Everybody's going, yeah, you're not supposed to murder, right? Like, I agree with that. Cool, we agree with the speaker today, right? But Jesus says this, but I say to you, don't, we should have done that law and order sound right now. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a just cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, raka. We're going to explain that in a second, but that's what he said. We'll be in danger of the council, but whosoever says you fool, you're going to be in danger of hellfire. And the Pharisees are just getting lit hearing this because they were known as angry, judgmental people. And Jesus said, yeah, you shouldn't murder. Woo, don't murder, don't murder. Killing's bad. Killing, bad. Being nice is good, but he says this. You know what's just as bad as killing? Hating people. And that made... 
the thousands of people on the side of that hill that day that heard the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes were great, right? Very encouraging. If you're this, here's a blessing. If you're this, here's a blessing. Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. I want to come to church every week where I feel blessed, right? Sometimes I don't like coming to church where I feel like the message is like, like directed right at me. And I'm like, Lord, I really just, I just wanted to be faithful today. I don't want to get my, you know, my heart bashed in. But sometimes that's what the Lord has for all of us, right? And Jesus says, listen, don't murder. I'm down with that. Don't murder. But listen, you know what? You know what's just as bad as murdering? Hating people. And you know the church there that day on the side of the hill got quiet, just like a preacher speaking about New Testament and Old Testament giving. Like, it is a quiet, quiet, quiet place. All those in favor that we should talk about tithing today, say amen. Crickets are out there going, right? But Jesus says something that gets everybody, not just the Pharisees. Because there are times, this word raka means this, means you're calling somebody empty-headed or foolish. The book of Proverbs is really specific about calling somebody a fool. Man, there's like, there, there is a punishment for you talking about somebody in a condescending tone where you're referring to them as a fool. The Bible says don't do it. The Bible says we shouldn't hate people. We understand the Bible says you shouldn't hate people, but do we think it's on, on our human sin scale that hating people is just as bad as murder? Like, to be honest with you, that doesn't make sense to me. Because there are people, I'm not asking you this, but there are people in all of our lives at one time or another we've probably hated. People that hurt us, people that did things to us, people that did things to our family, situations where we were treated unfairly by other people, where humanly speaking, if we were to talk about it with one another, we would get mad at that person together because we care so much about that person sharing the story, where we begin to kind of carry, oh man, if I ever saw that guy, man, I would jump off the top turnbuckle and give him a people's elbow right to the head, right? Like we would be mad at that person with that person, and Jesus said, hey, don't murder, but don't hate people too. So he's putting, right, he's putting the Ten Commandments on steroids, which is kind of throwing the Pharisees there that day into a little bit of a tizzy. And then he says this, which, which, is, which is one of those things, it's almost like a stun gun, if that's a real thing. I know it was on Star Trek. They would shoot you with a stun gun and you would like stop like this. I think this is one of those verses too. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, it says, he says the same thing. You've heard that it was said of old. I'm not pointing to you on purpose, Marianne and Dave and Cheryl, okay? It's just on my right-hand side today. You've heard that it was said of old, you shall not commit adultery. And people are like, yeah, don't commit adultery. Shouldn't we? I get that, right? Man, Leviticus is hardcore about that. You read about that? Somebody commits adultery, take them out of the city and stone them. <gasps> this is what Jesus says. But I say to you, as all the men cower in their seats this morning, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery within his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, Jesus had cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your whole body be cast into hell. This is where Jesus is going hardcore on the people there that day. He knew the Pharisee's heart, but he knew the heart of everybody that was in that, on the side of that hill that day. 
And, and it's kind of funny that there's things that we agree, you know, when we, we talk about different things. Like I said, tithing a minute ago, and this isn't, this isn't a message about tithing, although we preach it and teach it and believe it and know that God blesses you for it. But it's interesting when you talk about those things, and, and here's a secret for you. The people that say amen to that stuff think it's kind of a cool thing because, oh, I'm doing something I'm getting praise for right now, right? It's like, oh, amen, that's cool, that's awesome, I love that, right? And they, they agree with that. And there's things in church that you would agree with, right? We should love our kids. If you agree with that, say amen. We should be faithful to the Lord's work. If you agree with that, say amen. We shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain like we talked about a couple weeks ago. You agree with that, say amen, right? Jesus says here, hey, if you agree with me, like the said of old, don't commit adultery, say amen, amen. Okay, by the way, those of you saying amen, if you look at a woman, it's interesting they didn't say a woman looking at a man, right? That's a conversation my wife and I have had on occasion. I said to her one time, I said, I got to be careful here because we're online and there's kids in the auditorium. And I don't want you thinking I'm a freak of nature. But I said, honey, there's just one time, one time that I would like to walk by you when I'm heading into the showering area. We'll just say that. And for you to say the same things that I say to you. You know what she did? She laughed. <laughs> I'll go make you some breakfast. You're silly. You're silly, you know. <clears throat> So I think it's intentional that Jesus is saying this to men. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so women, you're off the hook for about two minutes, okay? He says, don't look at a And he said this, if you look at a woman and you have a lustful feeling towards her and you think about things that you shouldn't be thinking about, that's the same as committing adultery. I've committed adultery. I'm not up for a big confession today, okay? That's not what it is. But we have to guard our eyes, gentlemen, because when we don't, things can go haywire in here, and it doesn't take long for things to go haywire in here than for us to act out that haywireness that's in our mind. Wow, it's quiet, right? What's the pastor saying this morning? Listen, I'm not confessing a big secret sin to you, but what I'm saying is we all need to be very, very careful. We all need to be very, very careful. And I have confessed that to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I had a guy, so I, was, I was preaching a message a couple of years ago, and I, and I said, gosh, you've got to be careful, man. And now here's where the women get pulled. You're gonna, I'm, I'm going to pull you back into this conversation now because I don't want to rip on guys the whole time, okay? I said this, women are responsible for the first look. Amen. Women are responsible for the first look. So the way that you're modest or not, right, and, and, we, and we agree modest is hottest, say Amen. Come on, we're a little, little bit louder now, and a little bit louder now. Modest is hottest. That's what I taught my kids growing up from a very, very young age, right? Modest is hottest. Modest, why can't I wear that? Because that's only two-thirds of an outfit. You've got to wear the whole thing, right? It was all those kind of conversations. Women, you're responsible for the way that men look at you. You are. Well, that doesn't seem fair. Life isn't fair. Just get over it, okay? This is not politically correct one-on-one today. This is the Word of God in church, okay? So you're responsible for that. Then I said this, but guys, you're responsible for the second look. So I had this old dude came up to me. He was an old Marine. His name was Big Dave. He came up to me. He said, now, Pastor, let me ask you a question. If she's responsible for my first look, and I'm responsible for the second look, if I don't take my eyes off of her, is it still her fault? That's a good question, Dave. I like that, especially for a 75-year-old guy. You got life in you. Give me a high five. You know, I was like all pumped up for him. 
But here's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees there that day. Why are you so literal about, why are you trying, don't commit adultery, but you're doing all these other things that are just as bad. That's what Jesus was trying to teach the people there that day. Okay, let's get off of that because the temperature's coming up in here and you probably think I'm a dog. Number three, don't steal. Don't steal. Jesus tells people to pay it all back and then some. Luke chapter 19, verses 8 through 10. Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, you remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And Jesus called up and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. Some of you recognize that song. Zacchaeus went up and he said to the Lord, after the Lord called him down from the tree, he said, Lord, look, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone because of false accusation, I'm going to restore it four times over. And you know what he did? And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this man's house because he's the son of Abraham and the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. When the Lord spoke to Zacchaeus' heart, it was not, listen, it's not about stopping bad behavior. Don't steal. Okay, I'm not going to steal anymore. It's about making things right. Making things right. And the Spirit of God was so strong on Zacchaeus' heart there that day, it wasn't enough for him to say, I'm sorry. Chicago tells us it's hard for you to say, I'm sorry. Hold me now. It's hard for me to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to say you're sorry. But you know what's really hard to do? To repent and make things right. Like, I'm the ki- I, like I am a king of saying, I'm sorry. Honey, I'm sorry. Why? I don't know, but I just feel like I need to say, I'm sorry today. Because I know I did something I shouldn't have done today. Right? We're good at that. Say, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I messed up, I'm sorry. Okay, well, do you feel compelled that your sorry should lead you to make that right with the person to whom you sinned against? See, we think repentance is going to the Lord in prayer and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry I did this. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry. God wants us to be sorry, but that's not what repentance is. Repentance is is confronting that sin that you did, apologizing to the Lord, I'm really, really sorry I did this, Lord, in Jesus' name, cleanse me with your blood. Help me to fix, make right, whatever I need to do. I'm going to listen to you. Guide me through this so that I can make that relationship right with that person again. Here's what repentance does. Takes that sin, drops it off into the sea of forgetfulness. Repentance means this. You turn and you go the other way. It's not just about not doing it anymore, right? It's about not doing it but making it right. And if you're like me and you're like the person sitting next to you this morning, we say, our, we say we're sorry to God. Honestly, probably for the same five to maybe ten things all the time. You know? Uh, You've heard me say this if you've been here for any amount of time. I'm 55 years old. I don't think in the last year I've confessed any new sin to the Lord. Like, Lord, can you forgive me for this? And God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are going, oh, you tried something new. Nope, that didn't happen. (laughs) It's the stuff that I've struggled. 18 years. I said some prayers at 18 years old that I'm saying at 55. Anybody else like that this morning? If your hand's not raised, you're not 55. It's okay, I get that. But, but the thing is, God just doesn't want us to say our sorry. Remember your mom would say to you when you, what do you say? Sorry, nope, not enough. <laughs> what do you want me to do, mom? I'm fine, right? Jesus said, make it right. So these commandments that the, that the, that the Pharisees, well, I keep the commandments. I am a keeper of the commandments of God, right? I don't lie. I don't steal. I don't cheat, I don't commit adultery, 
I don't do this, I don't do that. And Jesus is telling them and saying, hey, guess what, dudes? I know your heart. And that's the thing that's so wonderful about the Lord. And you may think that's like a super negative thing. Oh, God knows everything about me. And you're like, hmm, everything, right? Here's the thing. He knows everything about you and loves you in spite of it. Like the deepest, darkest thing that I would never want on this screen today, God knows, and he doesn't love me any less for it. And the same thing is true about you this morning. He says this about lying. Don't lie. What's he say about lying? Ephesians 4.25. Man, Proverbs talks a lot about it too. Ephesians 4.25 says, put away lying. Stop lying. Stop. Stop it. Stop lying. Stop lying. Stop lying. Then he says this, Paul says, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Don't lie. What happens when you lie to people? They stop trusting you. Like, we understand that. We understand that. Listen to what God, listen, look how serious. Like, we talk about lying, right? I'm like, well, we lie, we sometimes lie. We, and we're really good, man. If, we're, if, if Christians aren't good at one thing, they're good at this, justifying their perception of little teeny tiny sins. I lied, but I didn't shoot that person. Like, you know, we're kind of, we're the comparison. We, we fall into that comparison trap all the time. You want to you know what God thinks about lies? Listen to Proverbs chapter 6. I'm going to tell you six things the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination, five-syllable word about the disdain and hate that God has with, 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 these, with this list of things, right? He says, a proud look, a lying tongue, a now, now, proud look. A proud look is when you kind of, a proud look is like talking trash after a football touchdown, right? You, you catch that touchdown, you get your feet in back. We're like Des Bryant when he dropped that touchdown a couple years ago if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. But you catch that ball, you get your tiptoes in, and you turn around, and you look at that guy that was covering you, and you spike it at him, you're like, yeah, sucker, right? You do that kind of a thing. You get the penalty thrown at you for what? For taunting. That kind of taunting is the same thing as a proud look. Like when you look at your neighbor that doesn't have the nice stuff that you do, and you're like, <laughs> proud look. We understand her. You have felt a proud look, but we've probably all given somebody a proud look too. God hates that. And then he says this. He hates a lying tongue. Hates it. It's a five-syllable word worth of hatred. A lying tongue, right? And then he says, a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speak lies. And people that sow discord among, um, among the brethren. We learn from the Old Testament and the New Testament that God hates lying. He equates it to murder in his system of moral economics. He says the same thing about lying as he does in his top ten about honoring him, remembering the Sabbath, and don't murder. So how can, how can we, this is just a couple quick things to think about as we close. How do we take the law, the law, the rules, and I'm, is anybody else, in I, I have a kind of a disobedient spirit. I'm, I don't like rules. Is anybody else like that this morning? Like, I don't like people telling me what to do. I want to do it on my own terms, right? I would, no, this is really, really bad about me. I would rather read it and discover it in the Bible than hear it from somebody else teaching it to me sometimes. So please don't be mad at me. I'm not thinking about anybody with any of these things I'm saying to you this morning. I promise you. But when you take the law to the next level personally, this is, this is what Jesus was saying Jesus said keeping the law, it's not enough. And here's where we're going to understand where he, where he came to fulfill the law. 
in Mark chapter 10, it says this. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and said, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now, remember the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Nobody's good except the one who is God. Do you know the commandments? Jesus knew this guy's heart. And he knew exactly why he thought he was good enough to go into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. Mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all of these things I've kept from my youth. And this guy was a knucklehead. He didn't realize Jesus was the son of God, knew his heart. But you know what's really funny about that? Like we would look at that, well, this guy was like really proud and arrogant, talking to Jesus saying, I've kept all the Ten Commandments my whole life and I'm perfect. Really? Like we look at that and go, really? Like all of us, like all of us are very aware. How many of you are very aware of your shortcomings this morning? Raise your hand up in the air. We all are. We hate our, I don't want to talk about my shortcomings. I want to talk about what I'm good at. I don't want to talk about where I fail. I want to talk about where I'm strong, right? That's, what, that's kind of how we feel in our life. That's how I feel about my life, right? Jesus says, have you kept all the commandments? I've kept them all since I was a kid. I've been perfect. That's what he says to Jesus, right? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I love that. Jesus looking at him loved him. That's a big word right there. Because God demonstrated his love for you and me, even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if anybody believes in him, they're not going to perish but have everlasting life. And he looked at this guy and he loved him and he said, well, oh, buddy, there's one thing that you lack, so here's what it is. There's only one command that you haven't kept that you need to keep and you'll have eternal life. He said, go your way, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. Listen, I want you to hear Jesus this morning. I don't want you to hear my words. Jesus is not telling everybody to sell everything that they have and then go to heaven. Jesus knew the heart of this young man. I'm good here, but don't you mess with my stuff. Ooh. Don't you tell me what to do with my money. Don't you tell me what to do with my houses. I've earned them. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've accomplished this. Boy, that pride and arrogance like we see that every, man, we're like in the center of the United States universe when it comes to that stuff in Dallas. The land of plenty is where we live today. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 13. He says, the commandments, for the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. And if there's any other commandment, they're all summed up in this saying, namely, Love your neighbors yourself. Don't focus on the don't, 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 don't. Start doing. Do you love people the way that you're supposed to? And then you look at the two commandments. It all comes, ten commandments, the 660 plus commandments that are in the Old Testament. Jesus said this. He said, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And that made the Pharisees tick. That's not a commandment. Jesus said that's the first and the most important commandment. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hang, you ready for this? Hang everything on the Old Testament. On those two sentences I just shared with you. And here's the thing, church. Jesus wants us to follow his rules. Of course he does. 
But he wants us to do that, not making ourselves more righteous. He wants us to do that as an expression of our love to him. That's why he wants us to do these things. Not so we can walk around, well, I go to church. I do this. I give money. I'm a moral person. I don't cuss. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't smoke. I don't chew. And I don't hang with those who do. Boom, right? I don't do those stuff. So I'm really a good, good person. And Jesus said, you're good, huh? Then love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. All that other stuff is a sub-point on these two things. So I'm going to ask you a question, and we're going to pray. Do you this morning have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Right? Second question, is there anything that you need to make right with him today? Make right by saying you're sorry, but make right by saying, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. Teach me and guide me and give me strength to say no to that sin that's kind of a habitual thing in my life. Are, are you saved today? But maybe say you need to take some steps of obedience, right? If you're lacking obedience, lacking obedience means disobedience. And obedience means we do the things that God told us to do. Love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourselves. What, what else did Jesus tell us to do in the New Testament? To obey him. Be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as an expression of your outward relationship with him, an outward expression of an inward relationship you have with him. You say, is baptism that big of a deal? Listen, you don't earn or get more salvation from it, but here's what you get. You get blessed because you're obeying God. We obey God because we love him. We don't obey God so people think we're good. Wow, they're really good people. You've said that before, haven't you? Like I look at my friend Herbert over here. That's a good man right there. He's got two great daughters, awesome wife, super duper guy, very encouraging. Just, he's, just a, he's just a good, 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 good man. The Bible said there's no right, none righteous, no, not one. You said, did you just say Herbert's bad? No. I said all of us are. So don't try to prop yourself up on all your good deeds. I'm good. I go to church. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. I'm this. Jesus sees our heart and says, love me and love people. Here's the last thing. You ready to make Warehouse Church your home? God wants you serving in a church. Make this church your home church. And let's do some great things with God for God together. Amen? Hey, let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for Jesus who came and died because of every wrong thing I've ever done and will even do in my future in my life. You died for every sin that's ever been committed by mankind, but your death was so complete and powerful enough to take away the sins of the entire world and all of humanity. And the only thing you want us to do is receive that gift. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to your mercy that we're saved. I know I'm not good enough for it, Lord. I know that even after salvation, I'm not good enough for it. But I'm thankful for it this morning. That you love us in spite of who we are. And forgiveness and salvation is, according to your word, a belief and an ask away. If you believe in your heart that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins, and that God rose him up from the grave three days later, the Bible said if you call upon his name, he will save you. And he wants to do that today. So whether you're watching online today or you're sitting in our, air, in our really awesome auditorium this morning, 
If you know that you need to be saved, you pray this prayer to God, stating to Him your belief and your devotion to Him. And the Bible says that you'll be saved. That prayer says like this. And I would invite you to pray it with me, not to me or to anybody else, but to the Lord. And just call on His name and just say quietly in your heart, just say, Dear Father, please forgive me of all the sin that's in my life. I believe that you died to pay for that sin. And I believe that you're alive today. And I want to be with you forever. Would you come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you? And then close out that prayer. Keep your eyes closed and just say, in Jesus' name, thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that with me this morning, in the auditorium. Would you just lift your hand up quietly as a testimony to the Lord? Pastor, and I prayed that prayer with you and invited Jesus to come into my life. Thank you, sweet lady. Anybody else this morning? Pastor, I prayed and I prayed that prayer that you just said, and I prayed it to God. Now I believe that he came into my heart and saved me today. If you prayed that with us online, shoot us an email today, today, to hello at warehousechurch.com, and we will respond to you today and celebrate with what God's done in your life and the life of this sweet woman that's in our auditorium this morning. But, I want, but then, there's, then we have the statement of the rest of us, right? The rest of us. I wonder how many of you have sin in your life that you need to confess to the Lord. Make it right with Him. I wonder if it's an obedience thing. Maybe not a disobedience thing, but an obedience thing that you're kind of holding back on. Maybe it is your giving. Maybe it is getting baptized. Maybe it is an area in your life that you just not submitted to the Lord. You would say, Pastor Ed, please pray for me. One of those areas or a different area in my life God speaking to my heart this morning. I would like you privately, and don't embarrass me, but I would like you to pray for me. If that's true about you, just lift your hand up this morning. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Probably all of us, to be honest with you, one way or another, probably need that encouragement. And maybe God's speaking to your heart about making Warehouse Church your home. If that's something you're praying about right now, and you'd like maybe some more information, or like to talk to us a little bit more about Warehouse Church, would you just lift your hand up in the air and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm praying about becoming part of Warehouse Church family. Would you pray for me as we think about that today? Father, we love you, love you, love you. We thank you for our Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for always forgiving when we ask. Thank you for being so patient when we ask for the same forgiveness over and over again, it seems like sometimes. Thank you for loving us more than even a father or mother could even love their own children. We honor you, we thank you, and we celebrate that relationship that you provided for us. We thank you for those today that invited you into their life. We thank you for speaking to hearts of many people in the room this morning. Help us as we depart in just a few minutes to take some of these words that you spoke into our hearts and put them into our life today. We ask you this in Jesus' name, and everybody said in agreement with me this morning, amen. Kelsey, come on up here and share with some things going on in our church.